Hey everyone, welcome to episode number 55 of the New Slang Podcast. I'm Thomas Mooney, and on this week's episode, we are joined by the duo Shotgun Rider. That would be Logan Samford and Anthony Enriquez. Uh, they're from up here in the Panhandle, and they just recently made a new record called uh, Palo Duro. I guess it came out back in March or so. Um, and usually, like, I don't ever think that what a like you know what PR says about a record they're always kind of like just trying to they're doing their job they're they're trying to sell a record by you know that sounds like this this and this and this and it's awesome and whatever but um I gotta say like they their PR people they actually kind of nailed what this uh, record kind of sounds like um somebody had like mentioned that it was like Kings of Leon and like 80s George Strait and that's really what it kind of sounds like. It does have these 80s textures to it with some, you know, some really great, um, you know, I, I don't know if Kings of Leon, I don't really consider them a southern rock band, but they do have these like just kind of crunchy guitars to it. And uh, it's all kind of set in the in the setting of, uh, of, you know, urban cowboy or whatever. Um, just some old old school George Strait stuff. We talk about George Strait. We talk about the making of this record, and we talk about the them both being from small town Paul, uh, panhandle towns, and how that's all had an effect on um, what they write about and how they write and uh, their outlook and all that kind of good stuff. Um, I have to mention, like we did this about a month ago, and it, so. We were going to put it out earlier, but then uh, the day that we did this podcast, uh, my engineer, he's kind of an idiot, uh, did not do all the technical stuff right. He messed up one thing. And um, so the audio quality is not as good as it could have been. Um, it's still well enough to listen to. I would suggest wearing headphones, though. It's going to probably be maxed out if you're driving your car or something i've worked on it some here um to make sure it's listenable but or as loud as possible you know but um yeah so i apologize for that and that engineer i don't know if you realize i'm talking about myself um so yeah if you don't follow the new slang go ahead and do so on all the social media stuff if you haven't subscribed to the podcast go to do so leave us a five-star review um yeah, I'll go and just like leave it at that. Uh, here is this interview with the dudes from Shotgun Rider. Thanks. Um, you guys just released this new record just a couple months back now. Yes, sir. What's a uh, I mean, you guys putting out EPs before that. What's it like to finally get like a full length? Oh, uh, really? I mean, it's just it's been forever since we've been wanting to put out a full length, and we know um, we've been wanting to put out a full length for a while now. It's just financially at first, um, it was a lot easier on us doing the EPs, and um, as far as um, establishing our market and everything, or our our markets right now. Yeah, it was a it was a big leap, and um, you know we wanted to do that with uh, after we did 
and in the EP, we wanted to already start working on it. The full length, it just didn't make sense yet. And um, so yeah, we had put out three EPs in 20, is that 16? Yeah. I mean, that might have been a little too much, but yeah. you could have made an album out of all of them. Yeah. But, um, and then it took us about a year and a half, and we finally, finally got Power Duo rolling, and uh, I'm happy with it. I'm happy with what we're saying. So. Right. See, I thought like the, the, the three AP, and I guess if you want to count the one before that, uh, it's kind of smart because it felt like you guys were staying in the you're staying relevant you know what I mean like yeah. hey we're, we're right here still yeah. Well, yeah, four months a, later and then yeah. hey we're still around because I mean just like we were just like a year into our career so it's like we yeah. gotta stay relevant and we don't have it was a lot of it had to do with the songs it was like we had a batch of songs and it's like I don't, we don't want to put out anything we're not proud of we don't want to have fillers Yeah. so sometimes we have four songs sometimes we have five and so, I, I mean, I think it had been over a year since we released some like our last record uh, before Paladero came out. Before we even started recording. Probably a year and a half later after Sunlight came out uh, is whenever we released Paladero. Mm-hmm. Um, like, where were those songs from? Are those kind of like from the same era as the EPs? Or like, are they really like a, a good time after any of that stuff came out? Um, it's a totally different headspace and a totally different, for me, um, having the majority of the rights on it, but for me it was, I was in a totally different headspace than I was in writing those other records and just in my life I was in a different place and yeah, they just, they came from a different, from a different, I mean it's not like crazy different from the EPs, right? Mm-hmm. But I think lyrically I was just in a different place than I was when I was writing those and uh, maybe a little more mature in my writing and a little bit more calculated with what sound we wanted to have. So for me, and then Logan had a couple cuts and we did one co-write on this one. Yes. Yeah, Yeah, we both both wrote a a tune called Not All Right on there, track number four. Right, yeah. Um, When I first heard the, I guess like the first two songs, I felt it was something different than, than you guys have been doing before. Especially sonically, it felt a little bit more... strong. Uh, yeah. Yeah, um, like what... It, and I know, like, in the press releases, it was, you know, raised on George Strait and King's Lane. Yeah, yeah. Which, I mean, like, a lot of a lot of stuff like that, you go, eh, I don't... I'm not... I don't care. But, like, in a lot of ways, like, you could hear a whole lot of that. Um, I think, yeah, especially with the first two songs. I yeah. Mean, one's really rock and one's really country. Yeah, I think on this record, we definitely... Um, focus more on uh, the traditional side of things, um, uh, probably 90s country in particular, um, mm-hmm. especially whenever I was singing uh, some of the more traditional tunes, like Lucky Him and uh, Steady As She Goes and stuff, I really was uh, kind of trying to go for a 90s vibe, kind of George Strait, Alan Jackson kind of feel on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then just doing that with what we had been doing, and sonically, like, we had never we had been wanting to record um, at a on a need board since we did the Seven Mile South album. We did that on a need board. And the new project we didn't have the budget, so it was all just kind of, you know, just smaller studios and knock them out. And finally we had the budget to do a need board and we did it half at Panhandle House in Denton and then half in Nashville at Sound Important, which is great. It's I mean his board cut his last couple records up. We were in that room. Mm-hmm. Johnny Cash, A-list players, and, and everything. And, um, 
so yeah, sonically, it's it's a huge. I mean, today Logan was, we did, we were listening to like I think it was Me and Memory, and then he put on something from Panhandle EP, and you can just like it's way yeah. bigger. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, you can definitely tell the difference in production. Right, that's like one of those things where um, they always talk about if you go into a studio and they if the the ceilings are way fucking high, you know, it just adds so much more just because of you're not compressing the sound as much, right? And I feel like this this record, you can feel that space yeah. on both sides, and it just, uh, it's warm, and there's like a velvety kind of... Warm is the is touch to it. coming back to, especially with the drum tracks, man. You go in that A room there, and sound important, and just the drums just sound so fat, and seventies, and what was we, the record we were comparing it to, when we were doing Steady As She Goes, actually, it's when we were quote-unquote dialing in the drums, and they were like, what's your favorite drum sounds? And like, what kind of sounds can we get out of this room? And we were like, rumors. Like, that's what these drums are gonna sound like as she goes. And that record sounds great sonically, but we kind of took that and then we just built on the other songs. But that's kind of what we went for, is the warmness mm -hmm. of the record. Right. So, uh, yeah, I think like, there's a few songs where you could, you could hear like a George Strait cutting. And it's really like that Lucky Him. Yeah. yeah. Um, which that was the only song that we've ever cut that we did at Hyatt, actually. Really? It's an outside cut. See, like that, that's just like, it, it kind of just screams uh, Heartbreak, George Strait kind of yeah. style. Yeah. Uh, that one or nothing at all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and of course, like, even like in, in a lot of ways, like Texas Rain, even though there's, there's this like epicness to it, there's an epic kind of. Right. Anthemic kind of. Yeah. Right. Aspect to, to that song. Um, okay, for you guys, like, what what is y'all's favorite era of George Strait? Like, what is y'all's? You had to like dial in on like what on on your favorite version. Yeah, and I remember when we were uh, when you were going through your stuff when your parents moved in from Nazareth, yeah. and you found that fucking uh, that cassette box, like the oh, actual like man, yeah, five cassettes of no, George Strait. Actually, yeah, cassettes. actually, my cousin back uh, when I was younger. Uh, just come down every summer and he'd come and visit me and we'd hang out you know for a couple of weeks and well he borrowed or stolen this uh, <laughs> uh, straight out of the box cause that's what it was called that's straight what out of the box yeah. uh, that release uh, and it was like all these tapes of George Strait like all of his greatest hits and uh, we started listening to it and he happened to leave them at my house and when uh, Anthony and me moved to Fort Worth uh, my parents were also moving too later on and um, I was helping him move out and we found those uh, straight out of the box tapes and uh, it actually like we, we he had his pickup at the time and we put it in and we would listen to it and I don't know what I can't tell you what year I mean you can kind of sonically tell this is a 90s one or whatever um, but um, you just it sounds even on cassette it just sounds so warm and it's like wow like, it's so much better than listening box chord yeah to me, <laughs> to me. Um, but my favorite George Strait song of all time is The Chair um, and so whatever era that's from I like it's, it's just it's a gorgeous song so, yeah. yeah it is a good one uh, my favorite one um, uh, I should leave you with a smile that's probably my favorite George Strait too yeah you know what's interesting about the uh, should leave you with a smile is that he cut two songs called She'll Leave You With A Smile. Yeah. One's like the, really? the big hit, and the other one is just like a, just a cut. Like it was never released as a single or anything like that, but uh, yeah, it is interesting. 
Yeah, because like when I was going through, it's like, well, did he re-record this or something? Or and then oh, um, you saw both. Yeah, and then yeah. it's two different songs, and I, I can't remember. I was talking with somebody on Twitter about when artists do that, like have two songs called the same thing. Um, there, and someone I saw something on Twitter the other day. There's there's two versions of another song. I think the Tim McGraw song. Yeah, it is. It was, uh, that's the that's this is the conversation. It I'm might be about. shotgun rider. I think. Yeah, I was gonna say it may be shotgun rider or, or it's uh, something off. Yeah. Does, doesn't he have a record called shotgun rider? No. Or there's a record that there's it, a, a tune that he has called shotgun. Yeah. Okay. Well, it may be the record that that's on. There may be another song, but it, it could be shotgun rider actually the song. Yeah, and I remember seeing that too. And it is. It's a totally different song. I don't know if we could ever cut a song with the same name. It's like I don't think I don't. That feels weird. It feels weird to do that. <laughs> Just an entire record of the same same song. It would same totally song have title. to beat up the other tune, you know, the older tune. Yeah, I just have to find the other part. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, George Strait stuff. I mean, I think my favorite George Strait songs are the Dean Dillon songs. Right. Um, and I think that's kind of like, like when we were first starting out and the first song I wrote for this project was Dance or Drink and I was like thinking the chair. I said I want my version of that song, and I, not that it compares to it at all, but um, that's what I was going for. I think it's just it's, it's just so poetic in the way that, that it puts that across. And Dean Dillon's my favorite country writer of all time. So, right. Yeah. Well, a lot of those songs they kind of occupy the same space, and right. what I would say is it's kind of like these songs are uh, like playing out in rooms like this, right? Like for sure. Uh, and a lot of those old Dean Dillon songs, they, they're, they're occupying those yeah. the dance halls and small dive bars. And, yeah. Uh, like the empty glass of Derek Stewart cut. Uh, I don't know how many songs in the world of Derek Stewart in the back row. It's, it occupies like that. Just, you just see like, the room. It's, it's just it's gorgeous. Like, it it's the, and the melodies too. The lyrics and it's just... That's my dude, right? Yeah. <laughs> have y'all have y'all seen him or met him before? Uh, we watched some uh, documentary on him on Netflix. Uh, yeah. Uh, I can't remember what it was called, but but no, it was really good. Uh, getting to learn about him and uh, how his mind works a little bit. And, what was it called? It's not it's not on Netflix. We rented on Amazon. Was it on Amazon? sat there and drank whiskey and listened to him talk about yeah. when he lived on a boat with fucking uh, yeah. Jimmy Buffett. He's talking about all these Like just and how they came up with all these songs. It's just crazy. <laughs> Here, I'm going to text Paul for you. Chill out. Is, uh, it, is it bleeding through? Uh, just a little bit, but I mean, it's not like bothering too much. As long as it's not bothering. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, I, yeah, these songs they kind of occupy that that space. That uh, and I know you guys. Uh, one of the things I've noticed is it's a lot of the the first person narrative. It's a lot of the thinking in the head before anything actually happens. It's the uh, playing out in your mind a lot of times. Uh, what is it about like that specific area of that headspace that that makes you think like you guys are right from that area from that perspective? I, I would just say I'm just I'm a very 
cerebral dude. We're kind of in our heads all the time. Yeah, so we, we're anxious about certain things. I guess it comes out in the writing and, and the performance. I've never really noticed that, but yeah, I mean, the a lot of the tunes, like, uh, they just feel more relatable when it feels like you feel like you're listening to this person's thoughts and how their perception is, mm-hmm. you know, as opposed to, like, I don't know, as opposed to just, like, painting pictures yeah. lyrically, like, just what is your thoughts doing? How do you yeah. perceive it? Yeah, and we'd, we'd like other people to know that, you know, they're not alone. You know, if they're if they're feeling that way, like in their head, and not feeling the greatest at times, maybe depressed or. It's almost like a '90s grunge thing because we were huge, like huge of that Seattle sound, and a lot of that stuff was really like like Alice in Chains stuff, or even like post like when Stain came out and stuff. And a lot of those like lyrically, it's it's that kind of headspace. Right. Right. Yeah. One of you guys said. Like the, the anxiety. I've not really thought about that, but there is a little bit of that that dose of like the uh, where it, it's the not knowing, the unsureness, the uh, not being totally. Uh, I guess like not necessarily not positive, but like not being uh, sure of yourself, right? Yeah. And. Um, there's a lot of the uh, the watching her, watching me kind of stuff, and like trying to figure out what you're gonna do. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that that really um, a lot of people can relate to that. Obviously, and it takes a couple of beers or drinks to finally go, okay, got to move. Another empty, and I can see me, see me walking up to you. <laughs> yeah, I think we embrace that, man. I, you know, we could write a really like. Just straightforward, like, but that's just not really our personalities. I mean, that's I would say that's where the honesty comes from in our lyrics. Is like, even some of the more poppy sounding tunes or whatever. Like, there's always this kind of like current of apprehension, almost, just because that's. I mean, that's just kind of yeah. How there's and I think in, I think in any song there's some kind of you know hurt going on or or, or frustration going on yeah. in every song. But, yeah. Like even like, like I said, like like sway with me, like it has this like yes, it's kind of like this yeah. kind of feel good, laid back tune, but then you listen to the lyric and it's this that's that song sad loneliness. Going yeah, that on. could be that could be a song, you know, when we were writing it, you know, I mean about a girl that we wish that we could have had, you know, right? Like that. Uh, obviously, like a lot of people, they go solo. They go, I'm gonna be the singer songwriter. Um, I'm honestly kind of surprised there's not more, you know, uh, duos or just songwriting partnerships. You guys right. are doing that. Uh, first off, like, what led y'all to deciding to do this together? Um, I think just, just circumstances. Yeah, really. the circumstances going through, you know, other band breakups and stuff. And I think we just had to... Uh, you know, we decided to move on from that and uh, kind of grew into this, hey, let's just do a duo. Let's make this a, like a Brooks and Dunn type of thing, you know, like yeah. 50 A lot of, I mean, I don't, I can't really think of very many other Texas acts. I honestly can't think of one right now that's like a duo of Powell Brothers, yeah. maybe? Yeah, um, um, there's somebody else. Uh, see, like, I, I think like Sons of Fathers, but like that, you know, that was right. like Paul Coff and David Beck, and they broke up, but like that was one of those things where I'm like, or damn close. Yeah. Yeah. 
why, um, why aren't there more bands doing this? Because uh, I always feel like if you're struggling as a singer-songwriter by yourself, like, you're, if you're, if you team up with another guy or girl, you're taking some of that pressure off of having to cut write ten great songs. Yeah. You right. only have to, you know, you're taking, not necessarily that you're thinking about that, but like whenever you cut a record, you're thinking, <coughs> oh, we got double the songs, we can choose the best from this, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of that was just, it was just, yeah, just kind of us. We became really good friends. Um, we became best friends when we were, actually when we were even recording the Seven Mile South EP. And like, he was graduating college. I mean, I graduated college, he was graduating high school. And I've been doing like the three hour cover song sets and making under 50 bucks a night. And I was like, dude, come do these shows with me. I'll split yeah. the money with you, we'll make a bunch of tips. Yeah. And when he did, I think we just kind of, even through that band, we, we were always like, it was us hanging out and like I was writing the majority of the material and we still do and he just adds the vocal and it's just like when it came down to what are we going to do now it was like hey this makes sense let's just do a duo which I had never thought in my wildest dream we would do a duo yeah it takes the pressure off of having to be in a band and having to be married to five other people and what they want and their lives and everything and it comes and it takes the pressure off of like you said just being a single singer songwriter guy where all the pressure's on you right. so Logan and I can be like whatever he's better at yeah whatever he's better at we can just trade off and it works great man yeah now, we're best like, friends do you uh, do you have like do you know like words that he sings really well like that, that you kind of keep in your head going like he can sing this kind of sound well so let's uh, try and, is that like what, when you're writing the song, are you thinking of how he sings it or are you just thinking of how the song? I think totally. Uh, I'm like, I mean, obviously I'm hearing how it sounds in my head, but I'm thinking of how would Logan sing that line. Mm -hmm. And I can hear it. Like I, you could say a sentence and I know how Logan's going to sing it. Just his inflections. Yeah. Um, and <clears throat> definitely thinking of that. I'm definitely thinking of, is this too high for Logan? Because there's a lot of times <laughs> I'll bring a song to him and he says, nope, not doing it. And then a month later, well, I could maybe hit it. And then we get to the studio, okay, we'll record it. But I, I love writing rangy stuff, man. I think it's it's ballsy and no, raw. It, it, put, it pushes me, though, man. And, uh, no, I, I'll, like, sometimes it'll bring me a tune, and I'll be like, dude, there's no way in hell I can hit that. <laughs> like, and it just, I mean, honestly, it just takes practice, you know, over and over playing it again. And, and over time, you just develop muscle memory, and it just comes to you. <laughs> I remember when... I wrote uh, Dancing Without Me, I had the verse on the chorus, and he walked in, and he walked in the room, and I was in the living room in my place in Canyon, and he walked in, and we were like, I was like, hey, check this out, and I sang it, and you were like, what the, what is that? <laughs> How am I going to do that? Like, go, do, go do it, man, like, just give it some time. <laughs> just try it, just try it. No, no man, and I remember... I, when you were pissed. Me, you were like, I know. why do you keep writing this shit? Well, no. You're going to blow my voice out. Well, you showed me uh, all over me. The first time you showed me all over me, dude, you like nailed the song, the whole song, and like you hit every note. And I was like, <laughs> and you started playing the guitar, and like I couldn't hit, and once it got to the chorus, man, I couldn't hit any of the notes. And I was like, what the heck, man? I think I was just having an off day or whatever, but we just, uh, <laughs> we went from there and had a problem since then. Yeah. So you typically uh, it takes a little work. Are you are you typically like a guy who kind of writes by himself, like alone, 
where like you can't really have any distractions or uh, or is a lot of times like you in the, the room with you and you bouncing <coughs> I would say the, my earlier stuff like the first couple EPs that I, that I wrote on uh, it was definitely I just I did it better than long um, I'm not a big fan of the three four person co-writes we've done some of those there, I mean, so you can get some kind of cool stuff out of there, that more of concepts, but I would say Paladuro, I think three or four of them I wrote them by, my own, by myself, but this was the first record that Logan and I, we co-wrote like maybe three or four of the songs, yeah. and even, you know, just bounce, having him to bounce ideas off of, like, the line, I'm not alright, okay, I remember when I wrote that, I was super, super trash one night, and we were trying to find that line, and I was like, what? I was like, I'm not alright, I'm okay. I was like, that's that's not stupid. He's like, no. That's like he's, he kind of reinforces like, hey, don't think too much about it. It's cool. Mm-hmm. And as opposed to if you just sit there by yourself and you never know what you could have came up with. It always, it always helps to have a, a second brain there. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. The see, I'm convinced like on the the three songwriter one or like the even like there's some of those five ones. It's just so that one guy's the uh, the tiebreaker you know right where uh, but I, I think like I love the idea of always having that one guy you can bounce ideas off of because like you said sometimes you, uh, you're your own worst enemy you're the guy who's saying it yeah no. and, well let's uh, no no let's try and develop something along those lines let's go that route it's always a good thing Yeah. Um, now, are, like, what do you? Whenever, whenever, like, the, the songs are presented to you, whenever you're thinking of these songs, like, are you thinking of? I guess, like, do you have to? Are you able to sing a song where you're going? Well, that's not necessarily my thoughts. I know this is more him, but like, are you able to, like, I guess, uh, morph into that character, even yeah. if it doesn't necessarily? Yeah. Oh completely relate to you. I know that, I mean, I know that anything that Anthony's going to come to me with, I mean, it's going to be, I mean, mean, pretty much straight fire. But I like to throw my own sense into it, too. And, um, uh, Are you saying, like, like like, if if I bring him a song and he's like, okay, but I don't feel exactly like that, then I, yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, like uh, I, I may, I mean, I get a little uncomfortable at first sometimes, but like I'm used to that, and I know that immediately going into a new song, you're gonna be uncomfortable, you know, and you're not gonna be familiar with it. And um, uh, it's just, uh, yeah. Just and even like messing up too. Like sometimes I'll mess up, like, and and you'll be like, actually, that sounded good, dude. Like keep it that way. Yeah, like if I write a melody a certain way, yeah. and he kind of approaches it and is trying to do the way I have it on the little demo, but he comes up with something different. That happens all the time. Yeah, and like also, actually, no, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and also like I'll throw my my own ideas in there too on what I think we should do as well. Right. I would say we don't run into that problem lyrically a crazy amount because when I write, I I purposely I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing, but as me as a writer. I purposely think of it needs to be honest, it needs to be me and kind of my personality, but like how do I this has to connect to people and it has to be something that's 
you know, if we wanted people to appeal to, um, you got to have to have that consciousness, you know, not necessarily go all the way and just give people what they want. Right. But it can't just be like, um, like if I'm going through something hard and I can't just write like super specifically like this, 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 it's like, let's make it a little vague. Let's open it up a little bit. Maybe right. we're just sad in general and lonely, not necessarily. You don't know if he's missing, you know, somebody who lost, like who passed on, or maybe yeah. somebody who. Uh, everybody looks at it in a different way. Like everybody is seeing, seeing this in a different way in their own movie. Yeah. So I'm trying to think about it. Yeah. yeah. Like if he can't sing it, then not everyone, like everyone in the crowd's not going to sing it. Yeah. Kind right. of uh, space. Um, that you guys have been playing around Texas for a long time here, but like you guys have been going up to Nashville and getting a little bit more yeah. national exposure. Yeah, How is that sure. like working out right now? What's the um, what's that process like? Man, I mean, we've recorded all of our all of our records um, with Shotgun Rider in Nashville. Um, uh, we first started out going uh, to Farmland Studios over there, and then like Anthony was saying earlier, we recorded Paladuro. Sound Emporium and uh, vocals and uh, other stuff at um, uh, Panhandle House in Texas. Uh, it's it's cool, man. I mean, the first time we went, we were like really excited, and it was all brand new to us, and it's still kind of new to us. We probably made four or five trips. Um, it's a different world out there, um, and we definitely don't fit in all the way out there. We don't fit in all the way over here either. <laughs> so, um, but you know, we embrace that, and um, you know, our manager's up there, and, and he works for a great publishing company, so we're able to get in cool rights and stuff, and we're able to meet cool people and, and stuff. But you know, it's just kind of like it's just a different world, really. Yeah, right. And everybody's so supportive. I mean, over there. And, now, like, obviously, there is a, in my opinion, like, the whole Texas versus national thing is, it's just, like, made to make record sales, you know what I mean? Like, it just kind of, yeah. just drives both places where it's like, hey, we're enemies. But there is a little bit of a difference, obviously, between yeah. top 40 on both charts. Um, is it something like that? Does that even come into y'all's thought process of, like, which way should we go which way should I like musically or chart like sonically you know what I mean like there is a difference um, and I mean well, I guess what I'm saying is you know like the whole like don't half-ass two things just the last one thing kind of sound yeah you know what I mean like or do you guys feel like you guys can still do something that's unique enough that is able to, to really yeah because I feel like there's some some of the stuff does feel like it could be on national radio just as easily as one thing one thing that I know is told everybody I mean we're gonna take I mean we're gonna take this thing as far as it can go um, and yeah I mean I think if we can do that without compromising us like when we go in the studio we I mean those those guys they do A-list records or whatever and we, we, we we're not doing we're not doing the whatever 808s and kick drum beats and we're not rapping we're not doing right. this you know, we do our own thing, but we still try to stay commercial, and we still try to make the production good. So, yeah, I mean, I hope that um, we know we're not going to write like world country or anything like mm -hmm. that. Um, not anything against that. I mean, what if, if you yeah. like it, whatever. I mean, whatever yeah. people want. That's just not us. 
Um, so I just kind of try to feel like we can be authentic as, as possible and, and hopefully we can kind of fall into the mold of like like this past record. So this when we were doing Palavero, John Party and Midland and Luke Combs and a bunch of these acts have been coming out that have been, we just showed we were Michael Morgan, yeah. a bunch of these acts have been coming out that were kind of like, hey, there's an alternative. Right. Um, so, and you can still be commercially successful and not sell out or whatever to the industry. Yeah, well, a lot of people don't want to admit that, like, there's bro country in Texas country. Sure. And, like, it's lip service either way. <laughs> yeah. There's plenty of that going, like, all the way around. Um, yeah, you guys are both from West Texas, small town. I feel like that's such a specific kind of experience. I grew up in Fort Stockton, so I feel like there's these... When you're when you're growing up in small town West Texas, like it's uh, yeah, it's just a certain unique kind of experience. What was it like growing up in the Panhandle? Growing up in the Panhandle, Nazareth. Yeah, I, well, I, I'm from Nazareth, a small town called Nazareth, Texas. Um, uh, Anthony's from Dimmit, Texas, from Hollyshop. Yeah, everybody knows where that is. Man, uh. We're, we're just a bunch of small town dudes, you know, just like everybody else. You know. Yeah. Um, it's, I don't know, it's definitely a shielded world, especially. It definitely plays out in a lot of the writing, too. Um, you, you definitely hear a lot of West Texas in the writing, especially in Paladero. Paladero is in the yeah, that's why we decided to call it call the album that. Right. When I was growing up, and this this is just like ignorance, but uh, growing up in Fort Stockton, I always thought there's the Panhandle is only Amarillo and Love It. How far and, where's that? Where's Fort Stockton? Fort Stockton's like an hour, uh, kind of like an hour north of Alpine, oh, hour okay. south of Odessa. Like lower West Texas. Yeah. Okay. And so like growing up down there, I always thought. Panhandle was just like Amarillo, Lubbock, and just nothing. And then like I had a friend who grew up in Loveland, and he was like, I kind of thought the same thing about West Texas, that there was like Odessa Midland, and nothing between there and the border. You're right. And I'm like, no, I mean, there's like little towns all over the place. And he was like, well, it's the same way up here. And I don't know, it's just one of those things where uh, in these areas, you just kind of think, how can anyone live out here? Right. But, uh, I mean, I think it shapes the way you kind of view the world and kind of, um, I don't know. It, it's not necessarily like a pressure cooker or anything like that, but like the the opposite of a pressure cooker, if that makes sense. Yeah, there's just like this, uh, almost like a sense of independence out here, and like kind of do it yourself. I mean, it's, a, it's just kind of the area we're from. It's like really... Uh, independent and it's kind of lonesome and everything's far away and it's kind of it's secluded a little bit almost or like you know you're the weird kid rock kid in high school and whatever like in art you know that's what that was me in high school I was like the weird rock kid who played guitar you know no one else played guitar and it's just it's totally sheltered whereas you know you go we go from that to Fort Worth proper now and it's just like okay wow like it's such a it's I would be a different person if I grew up in the same Right. I would have different values. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would look at things differently. Yeah, me and Anthony talked about that a lot. I, I mean, uh, I grew up in uh, 
or in Nazareth, like what I was saying, but um, I, I was telling Anthony beforehand, um, I lived in Plainview before that, and I was like, I wonder how I would have ended up if I would have lived in Plainview, Texas. Yeah, I mean, it's even a bigger kind of thing than Nazareth. I mean, Nazareth yeah. is like secluded. Like. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm definitely proud I grew up in a, in a small town like Nazareth, though, for sure. See, I think like in those, one of the things about the small town is the the music you're exposed to is just like that top layer of culture, the MTV, VH1, yeah. Top 40 Radio. But then like, whenever you do go to the, the city, I know like for me it was always like, you go by Hastings or something like that. And you're like, oh, what is all this shit? And you know, you pick out a, a record and that becomes like your favorite record until the next time you go. Um, like what was the, like you do you remember like the first kind of like a record you, you ended up buying where you were like, you mentioned the straight out of, straight out of the box, but uh, you remember like the, the first stuff like you guys were buying that really made you believe in, oh, there's something there's else out there? Outside of here? Yeah. Is yeah. there a um, music like that for you? Well, I mean, so the first uh, CD I ever got, so for Christmas one year, I think it was like back in 2003 or 2002 or whatever, I got a CD player for Christmas, and uh, I got two country records with it. It was uh, great, uh, Alan Jackson's Greatest Hits CD and also Brad Paisley's Mud on the Tire CD. And man, I just listened to those two records the whole year long, just song after song over and over again. Um, that's kind of whenever I figured out whenever I could sing, really. I mean, I was, I mean, it was before I started playing the guitar, but like just singing along with the records. Right. Um, like my parents even noticed it too, and they're like, Logan, you can sing and you don't even know it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, you know, talking with Randall King, I've noticed that too, because he's, uh, his new record, you know, he, he's talking about, um, you know, just driving around with the dad and sets going on and seeing along. And that's like, it's it's amazing how many people start out that way and don't even realize they they have a great voice, but they're just singing along to the radio. And I'm sure, like, if you're a parent, you're like, you believe in everything your kid does, but then, like, right. at some point you're like, there's a little bit of difference between him singing and right. me humming along, too. Um, I think for me, like, I... I, uh, Logan's camp comes from a very, like, his family's gospel and traditional country, and they kind of come from that area, and that's what you kind of grew up on. And, uh, I grew up more on, like, my dad was really big into, like, 80s rock, and my mom, like, 80s pop, I guess you would call it. Uh, I remember Sidney Lauper records, and I remember my dad's <laughs> Dio records, and Ozzy Osbourne is my, like, God to me, but, um, you know, I grew up on that, and, and then when I, I mean, I didn't get into country music until I was in college. I mean, I was a, a rock kid in high school. I mean, I, I snuck out of high school to drive a level to watch Blackstone Cherry and Hinder at Jake's when it was all ages. And, and I, I would do that. I mean, that's what I would, that was like, that's when I knew, like, there's something outside of here. That, and then I got into, like, the emo scene, like, sales scene, Taking Back Sunday when I was in high school. That was huge. And, like, my 17th birthday, I flew to Dallas for the very first time to go watch Taking Back Sunday in 30 seconds of Mars. And so, like, that was me. So that's how I was like, okay, that's what I want to do. This is outside of here. There's a big world outside of Denver, Texas. 
And then when I got to college, I got a new country music just from culturally and all my friends listening to like Pat Green and Randy Rogers. And, and then I realized that that's what the bars wanted to hear. And then I got into George Strait and Dylan. And then I just kind of slowly was like, okay, maybe I can do that. Yeah, I think rock records. My first rock record I ever bought was uh, Leakin Park Cyber Theory. That was the first record I ever bought my own money. I was like 11 years old. And then a couple of months come clean. So, like, all these, like, uh, Three Days Grace, they yeah. out. So, like, that era was when I was 12, 13, mowing lawns and had $20, and we went to Walmart, and that was what was on the TV, and I wanted to be like that. And so, right. that was my whole upbringing of, like, okay, there's a big world outside. Right, yeah, it's uh, it's funny, like, just how much, I think, like, MTV doesn't shape, isn't shaping the uh, the newest generation as much, it feels like people who grew up, people in their teenagers, <coughs> five to ten years back, and yeah, then obviously yeah. before that, Definitely. they had such a, more of an impact on, for sure, on what you thought was cool. Not cool, but now it's just like teen mom. I know, definitely, definitely growing up. I always remember getting up early in the morning, you know, 8 o'clock. Eight o'clock would be the summertime, I'd be up or whatever, for whatever reason, at 8 o'clock in the morning. I guess I was just an early rapper. But I'd get up and I'd watch VH1 and MTV music videos That's every single morning. Yeah, I feel like they should bring back up the pop up video. Yeah, yeah like the, the little. I mean, it's like, it's like a dream job just because you're just thinking of all the little things that happen. Little nuggets. Yeah. Little factoids. But they don't do that anymore, I don't think. Well, I don't know. I don't watch TV. I don't, anymore, but. I don't either. <laughs> we just stick with the Amazon and Netflix now. Right. See, I don't, I don't think they, they do at all. But, like, that should be, like, on fucking YouTube. Right. But... I guess people aren't making music videos as much as they used to. Yeah. All the music videos I've seen, they're either like more art project kind of stuff or they're really just on like the local level of the lyric video. Right. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of a big thing now is the the lyric video. I I still think like the coolest one I've seen is uh, Whiskey Myers had one for Early Morning Shakes. Okay. Where they were like going to the bar, but like they're all the lyrics were like on poster board, or, like oh, okay, not necessarily poster board, but smaller pieces of paper. Right. And like it would be kind of like a first person view, and you just kind of were navigating through the crowd, and there'd be the lyric here. That's cool. That's I think Wade yeah. Bowen did uh, something like that with songs about trucks. Yeah, he has a music video, like post it notes. Yeah, on See the bar top. I think I've heard photographs or something, it was written in Sharpie and that was like a cool concept. That's a cool way to do like an in-between music video and like not a boring lyric video where it's just a stagnant picture of you and like right. the fading out Comic Sans MS <laughs> lyrics looking <laughs> on YouTube and you're like, how does this have 5 million views? What are you guys doing? Right. <laughs> have you guys done any music video stuff? Uh, we've got a few. We've got a few music videos. We've got three. Yeah, yeah. three. Yeah. Three of them. What, 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 what uh, Sway With Me. Uh, actually, Sway With Me was our last one. The one before that was uh, World. Uh, Dancing Without Me. Dancing Without Me. And oh, then, you know, I've seen that. Which one was it? Uh, I've seen one of them with like. Uh, who was in it? Um, local 
songwriter dude. Oh, you're mm-hmm. thinking of dancing Yeah, uh, yeah. Adam Newman. Yeah, yeah, that's one I've never seen before. Yeah. yeah, it's been a while. Um, we did one after that for Dancing Without Me, which was off of the world. And yeah, like we said, Sway with me was more like a follow us on the road kind of music video. Um, yeah, see, like that kind of stuff right there is. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that was not a massive budget, but you were able to get something yeah, small, kind of. <laughs> yeah, something to get out there to everybody. Yeah. I mean, Grassroots kind of. That was really, I mean, our first big push really was the Dancer Dream music video that we did for Shock and Ride. Uh, it did really well for us. That was uh, we kickstarted. Yeah. Well, I think this record's pretty good. Hope to see, I want to see what y'all do next because I feel like that's always the. I mean, that's always where I'm at. Where, like, oh, that's a really good record. We'll see what happens. Let's, let's see what happens next. Let's see what. You have a favorite song? Uh, Steady as, as she goes. I just, really? I don't know. There's something really huh. about that song where I'm like. It's just really the, the melody to it, the sure. just the rhythm where I just go, man, that's fucking. That's I can't get it back out of my head, basically. Um, but I do like the, I do like. Uh, what is it? I'm bad with the song titles. Um, I do like nothing at all as well. Huh. Lucky him. I figured you'd be more of a sadist. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, if you, see, that's I don't know. I, I do like sad songs. I do. I like all kinds of music and songs and whatnot. But I do like the. There's something just about some. There's something about a catchy song that, like, yeah. I, I feel like a lot of people, as far as like, if you're being a music critic or a journalist or whatever, there's something like where a lot of people look down upon that. Like, if it's not ca- like, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's a lot of uh, people who don't appreciate the, the pop aspects of music. I'm like, right. mm-hmm. no, like that's what kind of makes a lot of good stuff good is the, the pop aspects, the the, uh, the sing-alongable yeah. pieces of it, you know, the ear candy. Yeah, we try to do, we try to do both, I feel like, um, you know, mm-hmm. we want the song to be catchy because that's what I like is catchy melodies and it's building nice yeah. and we also don't want it to just be... We want it to have big production, or good pr- production you know, as well. Long yeah. Try to go for all of it. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, uh, yeah. You guys ready to go get a beer? Yeah, let's go do it, man. Glad you like the record, Tom. Well, thank you guys for jumping on here.